0: This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Hey everybody.
1: Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. My name is Tizer Evans. Today, I talk with Mike Wittenstein, who is the founder and managing partner of Storyminers. Storytelling is essential. It's essential for being great in sales. So we go over the way that he helps people design stories, how to use effective storytelling in your sales process. If you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast, drop me a five star review, tag me on social media at Tizer Evans, and let me know you're listening. If you want to work with me one on one sales consulting, if you're a small business owner and you need some better sales systems and processes, hit me up at tizerevans.com. Would love to help. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike.
0: All right, I'm live with Mike Wittenstein. How are you today, Mike? Doing fine. Great to see you today. Thanks for having me for the first time as a guest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for
1: coming on. So now you're the founder and uh, managing partner of Story Miners. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of stories, especially involved in sales. Um, if you could, for context, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know who you are, kind of what you do, and what Story
0: Miners is about. Sure. Um, Let's see. I started a digital agency back in the 90s. It was one of the first in the world. And by the way, anybody that started a digital agency back then, it was one of the first in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had a lot of fun working for IBM. I went from a really small company to a monstrously sized company. I was their e-visionary. So my job was to find new ideas, bring them to market, represent the company, start some consulting practices. So I was kind of an intrapreneur, you know, taking all those entrepreneurial skills and bringing them to the inside of the business. And I got to work as much in the business as I did with customers. And that was really eye-opening for me. Then when the dot-com thing became the dot-bust, it was back on my own. So I started Storyminers in 2002. Um, For the longest time, we focused on customer experience because it's something that we just know really well. We're award-winning and certified and do lots of fun projects in retail and healthcare and professional services and even B2B. Um, But now it's kind of interesting. I'm really doubling down on the story stuff because I did about 100 interviews over the course of the last 18 months. And what I found was that a lot of leaders are frustrated that their people aren't following them, the boards their employees, investors. And by not following, I mean two things, like they don't get what they're saying and they're also not buying in. They're not like literally giving, lending their support, if you will. So we've engineered some of our, the things that we know how to do into some services for these leaders. So we help them get really, really clear on how to tell their own story. Usually it's something about the future. Like if, it's like a politician, if you hire me, if you vote for me, this is what we're gonna do. Well, in business, it's different because you really have to do it. You know, politics doesn't have the accountability that business does, but you'll get fired or you'll lose money or be sidelined if you don't do your job. So we help people get really clear on their ideas, so much so that the employees want to buy in. And the way we do that is with stories, because people come to stories in a very different way than they come to a PowerPoint presentation or a chart or graphic or something like that. That stuff's... Not as is not as much fun to pay attention to,
1: right? No, it, I to- totally agree. Yeah, I think powerpoints have been um, abused and used, I and mean, that's why I like appreciate the whole TED Talk idea, right? I mean, I think that was how the premise of that that founded the guy hated uh, his name hated uh, powerpoints. But I want to go back to what we were talking about the kind of the jump. Yeah, so go in the early two thousands. Two, I love that you were on the first one to see into digital because that now, right now, right? right, Like everybody has a digital ad agency. It's like such a, it's such a thing in the last three or four years. So you were really there, um, you know, pioneer at that time. But how do you go from that to making the leap of saying, I see so much value in stories. I want to build a whole company around it.
0: You know, I I think it was a conversation I had with my colleague, Tom Milkovic, T-H-O-M, Tom Milkovic. He's out on the West Coast right now. Renaissance guy, he, he draws. He's a photographer. He's a filmmaker. He codes. He writes. He's a strategist. He's just absolutely amazing. And um, one day, at least the way I remember the story, we were sitting in a Starbucks and Tom says, Mike, I'm so tired of working on my own. I want to go to work in corporate life. And I looked at him like this with a quizzical look on my face. And I stood up and I walked over and I picked up the newspaper that I had seen walking in. And I didn't pay for it. I just like threw it down so he could see the headline, and then I took it back, because I'm honest. <laughs> but the headline said that Delta had just laid off 6,000 people, yeah. and most of their marketing team. Same thing for Coca-Cola within a few days. So that was not a good time to go out on your own because all these other corporate executives have flooded the market. So what we had was a conversation about, what do you do well? I don't know, what do you do well? And it turns out that we're both pretty good at getting to the nut of what a company is all about, finding its soul exposing its essence, you know, laying bare what its outcomes, its primary outcomes are, its reason for being, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we were just kind of chit-chatting. And then we came up with the idea of like every, con- every company already has a story inside of it. You just have to let it out. And that's where the name Story Miners came from. Mm-hmm. So we took that idea and we put it in a pitch. We sold six accounts in six calls. That was validation. And that's how we got started. It's not a bad closing ratio. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been that good since.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the the idea behind StoryMiner is again, you kind of seems like you you shifted the business model a bit. Was it at first going in to teach businesses how to tell stories, or has it always been to have? No, you
0: never never well. been in the teaching business. No, no. And everybody's doing that now too. My like gosh, everybody's like setting up a course, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. advertising, come to my course, and all of your problems will be solved. I. I may do that at some point, but I'm really so much more about actually stepping up and helping the clients, like working with them. You you can't do everything self-service. Nobody can do everything for themselves. We're all wired to do some things better than other things. And working with other people, I think is a great way to learn, but it's also a great way to get a lot of stuff done a lot more quickly and a lot more assuredly. So, you know, why work on your weaknesses when you can hire somebody who's strong? So anyway... When we started off, when I was at IBM, I could sell anything to anybody. I don't mean that I could. I mean, people would buy IBM. They they love where you're coming from. And if you had a great idea, they believed that you would follow through because it's a big established brand and they have a a habit of cleaning up after themselves, even if an employee does something that's not spot on. When I went off on my own, even though I had a really cool name, who are you? What did you do? I was an e-visionary at IBM. Yeah, okay, But who are you now? That was really frustrating. Mm. So we sold what we could. We, we, we did on projects, websites, brochures, rebrands, product introductions, service introductions, just whatever people kind of needed. When I was at IBM, I learned about customer experience, and I loved that. It's like the, it's like the umbrella strategy for everything. Everything fits into how you touch your customers. So I use that going forward. And for about 15 years, we had an amazing run with that. We still get called and do a lot of work and speaking in that area. But um, the the shift was all about just wanting to do something a little bit fresh. Because like you said, you know, everybody's got a digital agency now. Well, everybody's doing customer experience. So the color of the ocean went from blue, where everything is, you know, fun and beautiful to bloody red, where there's like all this, you know, companies eating companies and diving to the bottom, you know, it's just too many fake claims and too much of a race to the bottom in the CX space. It's, it's become commoditized and the claims have become too big. Too many clients are getting dissatisfied from Mm -hmm. practitioners who don't know what they're doing sometimes. So I knew back in 2018, I needed to find another blue ocean. So that's where I went out and started looking at the power of story as a whole business strategy.
1: Yeah, I would. I would love for you to be able to walk us through. I mean, you can use me as a real life example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've got a sales team of thirteen people, right? And and I and I try to get really clear on what our mission is. And I think that that gets lost in translation, and a lot of times in companies. Like, if if you were to ask probably most people with any given organization, you know, like, why do you do what you do, and how does it? you know uh affect the overall mission of the company i think most people don't really have any clarity on
0: that well we can we can workshop that out you want to do that
1: yeah yeah no so i mean i'm just saying this let's see you can use uh, me as a a micro example though let's do it let's do it what's your what's your mission so our mission is to i mean our objective really is to have 20 percent uh growth this year uh to continue to have deeper penetration in our um our existing markets and to tap into some that
0: we haven't uh, quite hit hard enough yet. Okay. And uh, what's your company's reason for being? The why part? The why part.
1: Um, so this is a problem. We have what we call the four E's, which is empower, energize. I forget the other two, to be honest with you. Okay. Can you look them up real quick? Uh, let me see. Yeah.
0: This is one of those editing parts. I can do the Jeopardy theme song. You get 30. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Engage,
0: energize, empower, and execute. Okay. And what's your company's reason for being? I know I just asked you that.
1: Yeah. I mean, reason for being would be. In my in, in, in the way I look at it is to help uh, what we do uh, empower small business owners to take control of healthcare, care. Um, and when it comes to cost containment and uh, overall price, okay. So you help clients save money, yep. Help clients save money on their second biggest expense, which is uh, major medical.
0: Okay, all right. So when you, when you share your story with clients right now, what are the first two or three things that you tell them or that you ask them?
1: Well, usually for me, I make it about them. So I'm asking about like what they do, how they got their start in the business. And um, right. So I want to understand where their niches are and start to have them tell their story. It's usually where I start. Okay. And why do you do it that way? Because I, I, Because I'm calling to find out one, if it's a good fit. Right? I don't want to be wasting their time or my time if there were not if there's not a mutual vertical for us to be able to work in. And then two, usually through the power of them telling me their story, I start to get an understanding of what motivates them, uh, where their struggles are, kind of where they're as, as a company. I can start to assess the size of the company and then kind of where our product will fall into place or or won't fall okay. into place. Good. And what kind of companies do you sell into? So we, we partner with um, insurance agencies and brokers who then represent small businesses anywhere from two to 500 employees and try to help them assist with making sure that they've looked at all options for uh, health
0: insurance. Okay. So you have like a, may I say an add-on kind of package? It's not the mainstream package, but like an Aflac kind of thing, an aftermarket or after insurance? No.
1: So we have, you have like what we call the ACA world, you know, uh, quote unquote, Obamacare Affordable Care Act we compete directly with them in the self-funded space so oh, okay so, so yeah I mean we're not an add-on but we're definitely an alternative solution to what has mm-hmm. been more mainstream
0: okay cool cool um, where's your story working well and where is it not working so well right now and then okay. we'll zero
1: in kind of how you started with your story so we have a fantastic product we have great people working for us uh, I know that I know that we, we know what we're doing where we tend to get lost in translation or where we're not able to convey our story well is we're competing against what we call the BUKAS. So we compete against Blue Cross, Aetna, Cigna, Humana, right? Everybody knows those. So when I call and I say, hey, Ty, uh, I'm calling with National General usually, uh, although we're really big in certain PNC spaces and in the, in the medical space, it's usually, who are you? Uh-huh. What do you do, right? So it's that. Yeah. So it's having a compelling story to have them buy in that, hey, we're not a fly-by-night company.
0: Okay. So how how are you starting the whole thing off? Because everybody now is doing social selling and funnels and all that kind of stuff. So what have you laid out as the warm up steps before you call, or do you just call first?
1: Yeah, we just call. So so we're not into social selling. My guys aren't getting on Twitter. I mean, um, I mean that's part of it is because when you're, you know, when you're owned by a Fortune one hundred company. Uh, they want you to be real weary of jumping into that social space and have people go rogue where you can't really have any type of control over what they're saying. Sure. Sure. For us, it's, it's very much uh, phone, email, LinkedIn are, are kind of the three different avenues we hit.
0: Okay. So um, wh- why don't you um, l- let's just do a quick little role play. Um, you call me, uh, tell me who I am. I call you and tell you who you are. Yeah, you yeah, pretend I'm a client, a prospect. So who do I have to be? And I'll play that role for just a minute. I want to get a sense for how it feels and then we'll oh, dig sure. into
1: your story. You could be, you know, we'll just call you uh, Mike, the insurance broker. Tell me a little bit more because I'm
0: not in that world.
1: Right. So you would be um, someone who owns probably your own insurance agency. You represent uh, maybe anywhere from 10 to 100 uh, small businesses or your clients and you help them place their medical and ancillary coverage. They're so getting their medical, their dental vision. Okay, That's great, great. Benefits put. In All place. right, so Ring Ring, hi, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, this is Ty with uh, National General. Uh, the reason I was reaching out to you today was talking about small group health. Is that a, a space that you're still currently involved with? Absolutely, boy, there's so much change in that space too and you never know what's going on around the corner. I totally agree. Yeah, we've had the political climate makes it Kind of go up and down. Uh, that was one of the reasons I was reaching out today. Was we had worked with some of the competitors in your space, One Digital and Hub International, and uh, we've been able to help their clients save uh, an extreme amount of money, up to thirty percent, while giving some of them uh, refunds on their insurance premiums. But before I jump into that, I kind of wanted to find out a bit more about who you are and what you're about, and how you got your start in insurance.
0: Okay, you you told okay. Let's let's pause for a second. Don't forget where you are. Mm-hmm. Um. You told me that the most, one of the things that's really difficult is people don't know who National General is. What could you say instead of, hi, I'm from National General?
1: Um, I guess I could say, hi, this is Ty calling from, I mean, would it, would it help to say this is Ty calling from a Fortune 100 company?
0: I don't know if I have all the answers. I'm going to coach you through the options real quickly. So just give me a few. A, a yeah, few I mean, things. that
1: would be one um, stating how big our company is right up front or uh, I'm tied calling with National General. It's uh, now a freshly acquired Allstate company. We we're just acquired by Allstate for $4 billion. So let, let's
0: twist it around here and let's start with client. I'm calling to find future clients who blank fill that for me
1: who are in the need of uh, saving on uh, premium dollars
0: on their medical insurance okay that's everybody in the world right. who wouldn't fall into that category so that's kind of a it, I, I hope you don't you're not offended you said I can say anything that's a little bit manipulative and people can see that true so, sure. you know, you know w- would you like a you know would you like to lose 10 pounds without having to exercise you know if you say that to somebody who's overweight and struggling to breathe. um, It's manipulative. You you, you need to ask it a different way. So give it one more pass. How could you describe the situation that I'm in, the needs that I have so -hmm. that I feel like you get me as opposed to you're trying to sell me something?
1: Right. So um, Mike, we've seen uh, a lot of small businesses really struggling through the COVID times and they've been looking for alternative solutions on their second biggest cost, which is major medical expense. The reason I'm reaching out today is to see if I can be assistance in helping your clients be able to put money back into their business to keep them afloat over the next three to six
0: months. Okay. All right, so just to make sure I understand, I'm a broker Mm -hmm. and I have a whole bunch of different businesses and those businesses are trying to reduce their premiums, correct? Correct. All right. And what do I get if they reduce their premiums? Cause I probably work on commission. So
1: as a broker, it's uh, we give you the flexibility to um, well, you get, you get a commission, but we give you some autonomy to set your your commission where you'd want.
0: It, it, if I'm, if I'm trying to get people to pay less for their insurance, how am I making more? What's, what's, what's my interest in doing that other than just keeping a client away from the clause of a competitor?
1: Yeah. Well, um in that space, it's interesting uh, a lot of the other carrier partners, they pay on a model that doesn't incentivize the brokers to even go after that business uh, where our model does. So we have enough through our experience of underwriting and uh, been in the business a long time, we're usually able to still save a, a business 10, 15, 20 percent. While well, increasing the compensation of the broker a couple of points to make it so they want to continue to be able to work in that space because a lot of people that are not able to really you know feed themselves. Uh, okay, so the put that time. put that in in Mike
0: friendly terms. Hi Mike, I'm uh, Ty. I'm try, I'm I'm calling out to brokers like you who need to
1: to be able to help their clients, but also need to be able to make more money.
0: Okay, that's, that's that's much better, except it's still vague. Make it more specific. Um, reaching out to you to
1: help your small business clients that you represent, be able to save on our second biz- bi- biggest expense and uh, me- major medical, while also being able to help you increase your overall revenue um, within your
0: agency. Okay, it sounds like what you're doing and I'm, I'm not an insurance guy. My dad was, but I yeah. forgot all the things that he taught me. Um, it sounds like what, you're, what you could be trying to do, and I'm not sure if this will be right or not, is um, if it were me, I'd say something like, hi, Ty, I'm reaching out to brokers um, to make sure that they're able to meet all of their clients' needs in the secondary healthcare market and make some more points on it. I know it's been tough the last few years, as a lot of commissions have been stripped away as business becomes more automated, is that something you'd like to talk about? Okay. How did that feel? Was that accurate, and how did that feel differently to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was pretty pretty accurate. Um, yeah, it felt more genuine and sincere. Okay, and why did it feel more genuine and sincere? Uh, you came across more empathetic than me, just kind of cutting to the to the point. To try right. and and amazing.
0: Amazing. I think the reason I came across more empathetic, we have different styles and I was using a different tone in my voice. So right. besides that, I was talking about your day and your needs. I just talked about the situation you were in, not what I could do for you. Right. When you're connecting with somebody, it really helps if you can find out what their day is like. And if you say, oh, yeah, tell me about those kids or how about them dogs? It's all fake. Everybody sees through it, you know, you know, oh, I love Ford trucks. Don't you? I mean, that's, it's just made up conversation. So if you really know your clients well, and you bring that right up to the front of the story, you start telling their story first, not your story. And the second thing is to listen more. So if you're, the way I'm picking up on your style and your corporate mandate is you need to make every call count and you don't want to waste a lot of time on the phone. So if you can get right to the point, describe it as something that might be on the trajectory that your client is on and make it friendly, easy, fast. That's a good thing. When you talk about yourself, um, it's really hard to do that. You know, let me, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm going to role play with you. And this is something I've done before. So hopefully it'll just get the point across. Just ask me, um, doesn't matter what service I'm selling, but just, Mike, why are you so good? Just ask me that. Like we've been in a conversation for four or five minutes. Okay. okay. Mike, why are you so good? Damn. I'm just, I'm just really good. I'm really, really good. Okay. Read that back to me. What'd you get out of that? Uh, self-assured. And arrogant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a little bit over the top, like maybe even narcissistic, you know? Yeah. It was, it was all energy. There was no, there were no facts. There was no emotion. It was all about me. I just got somebody. To, I just got a chance to say how great I am in front of somebody that was willing to listen. Would you trust me? Uh, that person I just played. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Would you want to get more information from that person? No. Okay. All right. So let's try again. Ask me again. Um, Mike, you're really, really good. Well. Thank you, I, I, I am pretty good. How's that? Yeah, I mean, you seemed a little more humble and sincere, but still confident. Yeah, confidence not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's try one more time. Ask me, you know, why are you so good? Mike, why are you so good? Uh, well, you know, some of my clients tell me, and, and several of them have been saying this the last just the last couple of months, is they really like how I can zero in on a pattern that's a problem that they're having and then explain it in a way that they have a chance to talk to their employees and it just kind of goes away. Somehow I just find those words that they've been struggling with for so long. All right. How did that come across? Good. Yeah. You made it all about nothing to do with you. Yeah, that's the the deal. So I instantly brought in credibility by bringing not just one client, but three clients in. And I said, they all said the same thing. So it's like this must be true. And then I described what it is that I do in super clear terms. I make it easy for them to get their ideas across. But I did it with evidence, not with boastfulness. Right. So that's the formula that I think can work for you guys as well. It's, It's almost a universal formula. And the reason for that is that when people hear facts and figures, they try to disqualify. We get so much information thrown at us, like three out of four dentists who chew gum recommend Trident for their patients who chew gum. You know, just it's facts after facts after facts. And you just start to, like, push back on everything. There's too much information. Fifteen years ago, they said we got about three thousand impressions a day. If you're like in a a city and you read and you're out and about and it's like triple that now we can get ten thousand touches a day. If you count them carefully, you know, from seeing the bumper of a car to all the ads on television, the interstitials on your videos and all that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. So to break through all of that, it's really important to be able to speak your customer's language and to talk about them. The way to get them to like turn your head and zero in is to make sure that the story has them in the front as the hero because they're going through their own journey of transformation. When we started out. You were telling me about how National General could be the savior, help you save some money. People want to be the savior. They want to be Luke Skywalker. Mm. You know, they want to be. Um, they don't want to be Dumbledore. They want to be Harry Potter. Okay, your job is to be Yoda or Dumbledore. You're kind of the guide, and you help people get there. But to um, to exhibit both listening and to get them to. And for you to learn what situation they're in, just ask them a question about them, you know, and start by listening. Two ears, one mouth, you know, listen more than you talk kind of a thing. Sure. And that's not criticism of what you did. It's just some formulas that that we've learned that have general applicability. They're not perfect all the time for everybody. It doesn't work for every personality, every business need, et cetera. But it's what works for us and a lot of our clients.
1: No, I I, no, I love it. You know, for me, I'm always humble enough to know I know what I do well because i I've done it well for a long time, but, yeah. you know, I'm also, I'm constantly trying to learn, trying to learn, trying to add. So if there's anything I can do better. Um, I've never been one of those people. that's like, Hey, you know, Mike, I know enough, man. I don't need I don't <laughs> to tell me what I'm doing. What I'm doing wrong. It's uh, so, no, so it's much appreciated. So one of the things I did want to talk to you about this is very, reminds me of a, a Joseph Campbell ish with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. Be, be the hero in the journey. And um, our Jordan Peterson, for those of you that are familiar with him. Um, so how do you start to do this on with your own team? Because that seems like to be a big focus. So me as a manager, you know, say eight brokers aside, whatever, right? How do I start to get people now to, to buy into my story as a leader a bit more um, within the organization?
0: Um, okay, I have several several answers to that. And I'll just rapid fire them real quickly. You pick up on whichever one you like. One of them is to test first before you roll it out to everybody. Pick one or two people, test it with them, see how they feel, go back and forth until you're able to deliver exactly what you're trying to deliver in a way that they hear what you're trying to say. Half of communication is about what you say. The other half is about what other people hear. Hmm. There's a lot lost in translation. It's easy to make assumptions about people because we all think that everybody thinks like us that's just human nature and that's why politics is so screwy right now everybody thinks that everybody should be just like them and it doesn't work that way so messages are getting confused and there's a lot of contention right now um the other thing you can do is you can pose your strategy or your message as a question to your team and ask them how they would answer it so you kind of crowdsource your direction, your strategy, your new product introduction, whatever it is, and when people can start to lean in and help out, and they see that their good ideas are being used, that gives them a feeling of connection and pride, and like the, like a grapevine, it'll, all that message will spread on the inside that you're a listener, mm-hmm. you know that people have a say in the business, and managing that you know that fine line between I'm in control, you're in control, we're in control is key now that's that's a new thing that you have to deal with but um the role plays with internal help role plays with external help and asking people kind of crowdsourcing what the best ideas are are the three ways that you can start to get it going with your team
1: and i say you know i I love the crowdsourcing idea and um you know for me i have my team do uh goals so and i meet with them once a month one-on-one obviously we talk every single day but now there's going to be with, now it's just with me. I don't have a huge team, but 13 people is enough where now you've got 13 people putting input in that all may want to go in different directions, a uh, different idea of. So how do you not offend people by like, say, Hey, you know, Tim's ideas are exceptional. And mm-hmm. I think I could really implement several of those. Yeah, Jane doesn't have great ideas. So how do
0: how do you kind of toe that line of, of, of balance? Yeah. Um, well, there are. Uh, There are a few ways that you can tackle that. Ty, one of the things that you can do is declare your business's reason for being and its principles. So your reason for being is, you know, what value you create for your client. You have to carefully name your client. Notice I said value for client, not value from client. 20% sales growth is value from client. That's self-oriented. Your Mm -hmm. reason for being has to be delivered in a way that it shows that your clients get value from you. Okay, it's not about how much they pay you. Your principles are like your rules of the road. Like when you when you bowl as a kid, you know, those little bumper guards come up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the ball might go like this, but at least you'll hit a pin. It makes you feel better about bowling. You need to give your team principles to work with. Those two things, and you've got um, execute, empower, energize, engage. I think I got the order backward. And um, helping people save money on secondary major, the you know, second most expensive thing and all that. You've got to start there. But if you could refine that a little bit, you'll find that your people give you better answers right away. Because if you can, um, the test for a good reason for being is if your employee had no access to you, anybody else or company resources, could they make the right decision on their own? Mm. A good reason for being will guide them. They might not be perfect, but at least they're not going to be all the way over here yeah yeah um the uh remind me of the question again because i had one more thought but i lost my train of thought what is it what was it
1: yeah it was, it was talking about how you, you might get someone with great ideas
0: and some. oh yeah how do you, do you yeah So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here, here's the other trick um ask everybody to come up with ideas on something that's not related to the business okay don't make it about the business that way there's no contention or favoritism could be a better way to pick oranges or how to time the traffic lights, you know, on your one traffic light town in the middle of Des Moines or something like that. Neither one of us live in that town, but just give them something crazy to start thinking about. And then as the first couple people give their ideas, ask the next two people to grade the ideas. Mm-hmm. And what they'll typically do is say, Well, I don't like this or I don't like that. And he's go, All right, fair enough. But what are the objective criteria? What do you mean, objective criteria? Well. How are we all going to know which idea is the best? Oh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Then you ask the next two people, what do you guys think? What do you think those objective criteria are? What makes a really good idea? And they might throw out an idea like, well, it was clear, or I saw how I could implement it, or it seemed something that I could do, or it seemed affordable. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you you get people to start listing what the criteria for a good idea are, and you make that public and you give it to them. So they're all learning about how to make better better ideas happen. Then when you ask for a twist on a sales message or a better way to do reporting or a new approach or even a brand new service that you might want to introduce to your clients, you can crowdsource with much greater efficiency because everybody knows what the standards are. And they've all been teaching each other. And that kind of dynamic, when you've got the team growing together, lifting each other up, will let your team grow. That's how you build leaders, not just followers.
1: Yeah. Love it. Yeah, excellent. Excellent ideas. Thank you. Very sure. tactical advice. Um, one of the things I did want to ask you now, where, is there any type of source material? Obviously, your website is, is uh, very well done. All kinds of great information there. Um well, were there any other books that have been instrumental for you, uh, learning about storytelling or anything else that has really helped you?
0: Yeah. Um, there, are, there are a few things that have really helped me. The first one is um, not really a book, but it's to read more. Mm. It doesn't matter what you read, but you have to read and pay attention to language at the same time. You don't just read. When you're trying to learn about story, you don't read for entertainment or information. You read to learn how to share. Okay, So if you pick up, um, I don't have anything real handy right here, but if you pick up a book called Story by Robert McGee, he was a um, big Hollywood guy. He's trained a lot of playwrights who have done some and screenwriters who have done some tremendous movies and like his students have made over billions of dollars. You know, if you add up the value of all of their movies, he's got a certain way about talking about language and uh, talking about story, but he uses very convincing stories and arguments and examples. And that's what you pay attention to. If you're reading a nursery rhyme for a child, which is also fair game, you're wondering, thinking about, all right, how did they introduce that character? How do I know that Charlie Brown and Lucy are at odds with each other? You know, what do I know about the itsy bitsy spider? You you just compare and you start to see how people um, shape characters, introduce ideas. Just getting analytical about anything that comes in front of you will let you build knowledge in yourself. And I promise you the very best model for storytelling is the one that you build for yourself. It's not one that you just pull off of a shelf and try to do a best practice with because everyone is unique. Nobody is a best practice. And you can't just take a set of instructions and follow them and expect to be great at something. You have to build your own mental model of how the world works and how you fit in. So by just opening your mind and starting to be a little bit more attentive to the things that you read, you're in good shape. The second part is to watch great speeches on YouTube. It's that simple. And once you listen for about 30 seconds, stop. And pay attention to how you feel and what you thought and what you learned. What information got in? What didn't? Was it easy to understand? Was it hard? Am I waiting for something to come next? And then listen to 30 more seconds. And then go back after you've done that. And for a five-minute speech, that's going to take you 15 or 20 minutes. I promise it's worth it. Go back to the very beginning and listen to it again. And if you've really got patience and you really want to do better at this stuff, my suggestion, and this is a language learning exercise that I do with students who speak different languages. I, I speak a few, so I've learned this myself. Um, try to say what the speaker is saying. So if you dial up Winston Churchill on YouTube and uh, he starts saying, we will never, 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 never give up. You say it with him. You try to catch the tone, You know, read the transcriptions as you go along, but just practice these different delivery styles mm. don't try to be winston churchill he was one of a kind so was john kennedy you know so yeah. are so are some of the rap singers that we have today but just practice stretching your ability to deliver because it opens up more options and it also lets you see new patterns so read with an open mind stop and analyze and then repeat great speakers and you will figure out your own way there, but those exercises are just priceless. They can't give you any better advice. Man, love it. Thank you, Mike. Sure. And uh, Mike, where can people uh, connect with you at? Sure, um, my website's got just about everything, storyminers.com, it's S-T-O-R-Y-M-I-N-E-R-S. And depending on how timely the podcast is um, and what we do with our campaign, we're doing this new thing called You Ask, Mike Answers. And if you go to my LinkedIn page, the very first post uh, is a little thing about how you can ask a question. We use this fun new technology. So you listen to me talk for a second, I'll set it up. Then you press the text button, the audio button, or the video button, and you ask me a question. And I'll answer. No fluff, no sales, boom, right there. So if anything that you're interested in, just hit me up with a question and let me know. Um, This technique is also an experiment that we're doing to try to get a read on the market to see what folks are really interested in. So those questions are super valuable to me and it's easily worth the time to provide some answers. So far, it's going pretty well. So storyminers.com. Awesome. Thank you, Mike.
1: I will post all of Mike's information in the show notes so you can just scroll right down to the details, click his website, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn and ask him a question. Uh, I've, I talked to a lot of people, as you guys know, and I've never had anybody walk me through with such detail in a role play exercise. And I learned a lot from our 35, 40 minutes we've been talking. So Mike, thank you so much for your time. It's uh, been insightful and valuable to me. So thank you. A pleasure. Great to be with you. Thank you.